Welcome to the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry and its future. Our show is hosted by Rich Miller, the editor of Data Center Frontier. Today's podcast is brought to you by Compass Data Centers. Now here's Rich with today's show. Hey everyone, it's Rich Miller. This is the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. And our guest today is Nancy Novak, the Chief Innovation Officer at Compass Data Centers. Nancy's been working in the construction industry and now has been involved with the Compass team for a number of years. So Nancy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Rich. I, I really enjoy um, all of the information that your publication puts out in our industry. So it's super exciting to be a part of this. Well, we're glad you're here. I, I thought a good starting point uh, would be the role you play at Compass and some of the things you're working on there. Uh, your title is Chief Innovation Officer, uh, which you see some places in, in business, but not so much in the data center industry. Maybe you could start by telling us what the Chief Innovation Officer role looks like uh, and uh, how you kind of got to, got to this point on your journey. I think innovation is very interesting because I was just talking with someone this morning about this and, um, and he actually had an innovation role in a, in a big tech firm. And um, the role that he played was more about all around technology, right? It was strictly doing innovative technology. And I said, you know, for me, because I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm a builder and I've been in construction for so many years, for me, a lot of the innovation that I'm striving to achieve has to do with the people and the processes and then it's trying to find the right technology that, that enhances those um, new innovations. And then also that kind of drives the best behavior. And, and the reason why I come up with that is, you know, I can't help myself in construction. You know, if I look back the last 40 years or so, lots of different uh, technologies have come about to help us build things like information modeling or drones or, you know, lot of, um, other widgets that help us do things faster, uh, more efficiently. And, um, and, but honestly, when I say faster, what I mean is we end up taking on more, um, more projects, but we actually aren't really improving our efficiency rate. So like when you look over the decades of construction, improving in this new innovative you know, realm, it's, it's unfortunate that we still feel like we don't have any improvement over the efficiencies and the, and the production. And then we also haven't improved at all from a diversity and inclusion standpoint. Right. So that's why I really focus on the people processes first. And then I try to look for the right technologies that are gonna you know, enhance those things and then drive good behavior in our industry. Compass, obviously in the business of deploying data center capacity uh, as are uh, many of our, our, our listeners, how does the, the chief innovation officer and what you do there, how does that sort of apply? What does that look like? In the data center world, like you know, I said, the, the only thing that's keeping our hyperscaler friends from just going, you know, conquering the globe when it comes to connection is putting work in place. So we're trying to get more innovative on, you know, speed to market, obviously, but speed to market with this really great conscious lens about trying to be, um, you know, good stewards of the environment, you know, being sustainable. So there's lots of innovations that I look into about looking at, at sustainability in a holistic manner. And that's everything from you know how far we have to transport our materials to whether or not you know our building materials themselves are um, you know are free of 
high VOCs or carbon, you know, adding carbon to the to the atmosphere. Um, and then also, um, you know, the, the things have to do with, with consumption because, you know, we consume a lot of energy. Right. So there's innovations that, you know, everybody's out there looking for and how we can solve for, you know, not having to consume so much energy and we can start giving back or we can store energy in a way that doesn't add to the CO2, the footprint and the environment. The hyperscalers that are the large customers for, for many data center operators have become really focused on that sustainability piece uh, in terms of even, you know, talking about uh, wholesale changes in the use of things like diesel generators. What are, are some of the, the things that you, that are, provide the biggest challenges and the biggest opportunities uh, in data center deployment and, and how you guys are, are trying to work with your customers on that? Sustainability is probably the number one innovation everyone's looking at right now. And it, and it is challenging because of the, you know, because of having to site adapt, you know, you can have the best design facility that still has to be site adapted. And every, that's what makes construction so interesting. Every environment and geography you go into has these challenges, right? So if you're going to, you know, kind of move towards things like, you know, a microgrid or stored energy or something like that, you have to start looking at the footprint of your building. You have to see how much impact is going to have on your design. Um, a lot of that can impact whether or not you can get permitted, whether you can get, you know, environmental, you know, regulatory things um, that you need, and then also just speed to market again for your clients. So, so you're not, you're just kind you're layering on this complexity of having to know where the power is, where the fiber is, and whether or not you can build it as fast as you can. And now it's also how sustainable can you be in that same environment? I'm curious what that process has looked like in the midst of the global pandemic that we're all soldiering on through right now. There was some concern, particularly in the early months of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, about how construction would be able to, to fare, whether uh, projects could stay on schedule, and how the supply chain would support projects. So I'm curious what your experience has been in, in terms of just trying to deploy capacity. I know you guys have been very busy in that. Uh, and at the same time, what it's been like to try and innovate in this environment. One of the things that forces us to innovate is the necessity to do it, right? So there has been, um, you've seen a lot of that in many different um, examples of that during the pandemic. Um, so those are the, that's kind of the rainbow. That's the light at the end of the tunnel for us is the fact that we're, we're innovating in a, in a faster way and picking up a lot of time on things that we wanted to do, but kind of got forced to do. I have to say when it comes to, you know, the, the deployment, there absolutely is challenges in the supply chain um, from, you know, being able to, when the border shut down, being able to move things from country to country and be able to get products changed. Um, the pricing of it changed, the accessibility of it changed. You know, the, the ways in which we have to take um, things that are manufactured in plants that were shut down. So you have this perfect storm of more demand because of the need for this, you know, infrastructure. And then also trying to maintain under the pandemic where lots of large factories had to be closed down or partially open. So, the, so that's a big catch up. And then on, but then you know, on top of that, you've got the hyperscalers who are desperately trying to service these demands. And, um, and they're running into you know, supply chain shortages, not just on the delivery of the buildings, but also on, you know, on the actual, you know, the servers and the chips that they need for the servers in order to you know, actually provide the services to their clients. So, um, so it's kind of gone through the whole, the whole supply chain, but I would say from Compass's standpoint, we've been able to work around uh, the demands that we've had to so far. 
but we but we definitely see concerns like uh, you know just things we never had problems with before you have to think really hard about it order them in advance stick them in one of our warehouses ahead of time to buffer the right. schedule you know we had to work around things in that manner otherwise you just wouldn't get them on time yeah, I know you guys have worked on staging of equipment and things like that. And I recall we talked about uh, remote commissioning, which is something mm -hmm. I never really thought of, but that that gets complicated, doesn't it? It does. It does. There were some extraordinary uh, accounts of the amount of capacity that got deployed in a very short period of time, particularly last spring. Uh, there was a one hyperscaler talked about deploying like 100 megawatts of capacity in a couple of weeks, which, you know, for someone who's been like me, who's been working in the industry for a long time, those numbers are just kind of crazy. It's astounding, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is. And obviously that that kind of thing couldn't happen unless uh, there's been some advanced thinking about capacity and what you prepare for and what you uh, anticipate. But the trend has largely been it's always bigger, right? Yeah, uh, it's no matter what, even without the pandemic, it's funny when we sit on, you know, the, in some of these board meetings where everyone's trying to forecast, it's always like, yeah, then multiply that times, you know, 10 or 20, because your forecast is going to be off. And everybody's forecast was off for the pandemic. I know one of our clients said they wanted to deploy 800 megawatts in the next year. And that was before COVID. And then of course that got blown out of the water, right? So that so so you have to look at like the, it's it's an amazing amount of you know of capacity that they need, um, and and you know the, there's I was on a presentation yesterday where there's a lot a lot of the stored capacity we always try to like you know have things in preparation of the uh, the hyperscalers in particular that all got consumed really quickly you know after mm -hmm. COVID, and so so then it kind of moved into the realm of oh now we have to go and start building and then and then leasing more more of our properties because we cannot keep up with the demand. So it ebbs and flows a bit in those different areas. Have we reached a point where the, the speed to market is really shifting the balance? Because uh, many of the, the largest hyperscalers uh, both build their own facilities and then they will lease that um, capacity in, in other markets or in, in other circumstances. Is that starting to shift where the data center developer specialists like, you know, Compass are getting a larger chunk of the business simply because speed makes it hard for even these very huge companies to do it themselves? I like to call us like the necessary evil because, <laughs> you know, every hyperscaler wants to own their own property and build their own stuff, sure. right? Um, but they, you know, they can't do it all. They don't have the capacity. They don't have the ability to, you know, find all the land that they need in every area that they need. So they, they, you know, and they don't split it into thirds, but a lot of it is, I look at it in thirds. Like, you know, there's, there's the ability to use colo, there's the ability to use, you know, lease space, there's the ability to, you know, build your own greenfield sites and operate them as well. And um, in order for them to grow at this, at the, you know, and, and be able to, um, you know, expand as rapidly as they want to, they kind of have to divide and conquer on all of those fronts. So. I like to, to say that uh, uh, data is growing because everybody's using uh, more data uh, every day and they'll use more data tomorrow than they did yesterday. And that is just an, an inexorable cycle here. As these facilities and campuses get bigger, I guess the good news is that there seems to be investor support to uh, help companies deploy capacity for these large clients. But from a, from a chief innovation officer's uh, uh, chair, how do you think about uh, the challenges in terms of 
things always getting larger and larger? That's a, always a fascinating question to think about, Rich, because, you know, everyone, I mean, years ago, it was like, so when are we going to have these big empty buildings everywhere? Because, you know, things are going to, we're going to be able to store things on a smaller ship or something like that. And, um, and the answer, you know, for, you know, the, the folks in my lifetime is that, you know, we do double our, our collection of data, you know, anywhere from every six months to every nine months and possibly sooner since, or quicker rather, since the pandemic. So the, the insatiable need and desire for data is not something that I see slowing down anytime soon because um, data is power and data is, you know, one of those, it's really the evolution of humans, right? Um, how we share it, how we apply it, how we use it, how we transact with it. It's actually, it's just the evolution of, of our species. So I look at it and I see like when you see, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning and things like that coming on board, it's hard to even you know, to wrap our brains around um, you know, how that, how we would stop collecting data. Right? right. The other thing is like, you know, yes, I see the, uh, you know, the, the technologies that come forward where we can get smaller and smaller and how we store the data and, you know, and be able to share it, but we have a long way to go on, you know, just, on just really thinking about things like artificial intelligence and machine learning and what that can do for our future. And I always like to think about it the way Bezos put it a few years back when he said, um, the internet is like is like uh, electricity was when it was called lighting, right? right? Right. So you know, because there was no other need for electricity other than to light your home, there was no appliance that you could plug anything. So now he and it, and I believe that I believe the internet is very much like that, where we don't even know what the possibilities are yet. Um, and I and I also believe that you know we have gotten it down to where the chips and the servers that we use are you know are, you have to use a microscope to see you know what you're storing stuff on. So it's, um, it's hard to imagine, you know, really being able to look at that from a spatial standpoint. Now, after saying that, you know, if we're going to space, right? We've got, we've got satellites that we're bouncing stuff off of. We got edge yep. products. I mean, it's exciting. It's really a fascinating world to be plugged into right now. Yeah, well, I'll second that because obviously, uh, you know, uh, I love talking about data centers, but every morning when I get up, you never know what you're going to encounter each day as we've seen in the last year, it's, uh, it's never been more mission critical for everyone. One of the things you talked about in, in the chief innovation officer role is the importance of people and, and looking at the, the whole business through the lens of people and how they in, engage with the business. Uh, I know one of the issues uh, that's been important for you is diversity in the workplace. It has not historically been a strength for the data center industry. Uh, as someone who's been in it for 20 years, I do think that uh, over the last, you know, five to six years, there's been a better conversation about that. Uh, you've obviously been a participant in that. I was interested to get your take on where things are at, how, what kind of progress has been made and uh, um, what, where, what's the sort of status quo right now for the data center industry in terms of diversity and uh, the job ahead of it? You know, I, I split this into two pieces uh, usually, and I and the Uptime, Uptime Institute has a great report out on this right now, Rich, and, the, and they do also split it into the construction aspect and then the actual data center operations aspect, which is, which are different, but, but you know, both very well needed. And, um, and clearly in the data center world, you know, there's more demand for operations than there is in, in, for construction from a percentage ratio standpoint. Um, data center operations, you know, it, I... I talked to um, my, my friend Heather Dooley from Google all the time about this because um, you know we sit on the iMasons uh, 
committee and we just put forward a challenge to reach parity, you know, on any level and in any department within your company, which has been well received. And we put forward a guidebook on, you know, how you can look for more diverse employees. And we explain what the business case is around that. So here's where I think we're at. Um, the, the industry, as you said, the conversations have really, really improved and the understanding and the buy-in about how necessary it is because of the demand. So yay, there's a lot of demand. We're super happy about that um, because we really don't care why it happens as long as it happens. Right. And, um, and then and we feel the tertiary benefits around making that happen through whatever you know, reasons is going to be very evident when it comes to you know, being more innovative, more creative, more profitable, because you've got lenses from many different sources. And then let's layer on the importance of things that we were just talking about, artificial intelligence and all these other things that where you have coders who are trying to make sure that you know, we don't become the great divider, that we're more the great you know, unifier in the world. So we're not leaving out scores of people when we, when we go and do facial recognition software or when we do, you know, when, when, we, when we develop you know, different tools for our use. So that's why I also get very heavily involved in the, in the digital divide because it all kind of goes together. But in, in, you know, statistically right now, we are still struggling to bring um, more women into the space, both in construction and in data centers, and also just um, more diverse employees that are just underrepresented um, in, our, in our fields, in the STEM fields primarily. Um, and, I, and I would definitely uh, wanna add uh, you know, some helpful advice here. Sure. So we do have, like I said, we do have that one guidebook where we're publishing through iMasons. And if anyone follows me on LinkedIn, you know, it's really easy for me to be able to offer you any kind of resources you need. Um, but, but in essence, the, uh, you know, when you think about the data center industry, data centers have only been around for about 20 plus years, right? They used to be called computer rooms. Now they're data right. centers. You know, they've gotten bigger and bigger. The cloud is fairly new, right? So when you look at all the people that have been in these industries, none of them came from the data center industry. Right. None of them were formerly educated in the data center industry, right? So it's silly for us not to think we can't go find transferable skills within our industry to bring in you know, folks who are either underrepresented or, you know, have um, skills in other settings that have the same attributes needed for the data center industry where those operations, facilities, maintenance, and all the scores of different, you know, talent that we, that we desperately need, including construction, you know? And in construction, it's a little bit more challenging because um, our industry already has kind of a bad rap. I mean, data center industry is more like we need awareness over how cool this is and and, and construction is more like, let's fix our image so we can be more welcoming to those who have not felt welcome in the past, right? Um, so, we, so we have to focus on some different things like offsite manufacturing, um, making sure that, you know, that we do training in the field and that we make it to where um, brute strength isn't the only thing that matters. So, Right. Um, and we've talked a little bit about that. You, you had a great talk at, I think it was Data Center World a few years back about technology and how it can make a difference with things like exoskeletons and looking at, you know, prefabrication, uh, not just as ways to, to help with, you know, bringing cool tech onto the job site, but to make, uh, to open up the industry to more different kinds of, of workers and, and make it more diverse. Uh, yeah. And it's good for everybody. It's not just, you know, it's not just saying, hey, I mean, like I look at the, like, I think I used the example of the fighter jets when I was doing that presentation, because, you know, you know, the whole G-force thing, it took a lot of brute strength to drive, to fly a jet. 
And now with computers, you know, we have really talented and skilled female pilots who don't have to have that muscle, right? It's no different in construction. And the and the my husband's a tradesperson. Um, you know, it's hard on your on your body in the industry. So to make it easier on the you know the skeletal and the muscles and everything else is good for everybody. It's safer, makes it more enjoyable, lets you enjoy your livelihood longer. Um, all of those things are good for the whole the whole you know all of the people who are in the industry. You mentioned cross training and transferable skills. And as you said, everybody has a story. One of the, the conversations that happens in a lot of these sort of podcasts is how did you find your way here? You know, that's kind of a story that everybody has because nobody started out in the data center sector. And there are some places we see that, that create pipelines. I, I mean, we always hear about the, the folks who work in, in the naval subs, but, uh, and I know that there's some, there's a lot of good organizations like Salute that works specifically with uh, the military. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the, the areas where, you, you know, or the fields where some of the, the skills are transferable into the data center sector? Where should we be looking? Well, I mean, I, there's just so many, like there, any manufacturing is a great area to look at um, when it comes to, especially maintaining the facilities or, you know, just really understanding um, operational procedure. So, um, and, I, and I would say that that's true for construction as well. In fact, I, um, I visited a site over in Kansas where, there was the largest contingent of women I'd ever seen in a manufacturing plant. And um, they all came from a paper mill, you know, um, factory because they had transferable skills and just loving the jobs there and doing, doing a great job. But I would say that that's one area. I also think that, you know, as you mentioned, you know, with the military, bringing the veterans back into the workplace, um, you know, they have, they're very good at, you know, understanding procedures from a security standpoint. And then you have all, you know, so like if you really look at all the different op job opportunities within a data center, that's one of the problems that, that we have in this industry is people don't know how many types of jobs data centers can employ, whether it's pulling the cable or whether it's, you know, understanding, you know, the servers or whether it's um, understanding mechanical systems or um, security measures or, you know, just, it, there's a, this plethora of things that we need in the data center operational world that have transferable skills in lots of different industries. One of the conversations I hear a lot is that uh, when it comes to trying to attract uh, young people and get them interested in the field, that there's a couple of different problems. One is that there's not necessarily a lot of curricula to get folks introduced to and properly trained. But the other one is that folks just don't know about it, you know, and they don't know the, the, the cool factor, the way that folks like you and I might uh, get excited about the data center industry isn't readily apparent <clears throat> from the outside uh, to young people or folks just entering the, the job market. Are those sort of fair assessments or are there other things that we need to think about uh, in terms of uh, trying to, to look at the next generation and how uh, we get them engaged and, and understand what the opportunity is? My opinion is the cool factor is the most important part of what you just said, because I think first it's bringing about the awareness and then it's saying, you know, what kind of credentials do I need to be able to participate in that? Because that sounds really cool, right? And sometimes the credentials are a journeyman's license. Sometimes it's a certificate in a, in a program because there's tons of programs around where we say, hey, if you want to be a data center operator, you can get certified to do, you know, A, B or C. Sometimes it's a formal education, you know, where you want to be 
you know, someone who's more in the engineering role or in the innovative roles of wanting to be, look at strategy, right? Sometimes it's in the business department of just know, you know, understanding the business itself, but getting that excitement so that people know that it's there. And then, and then kind of, that's why I love the, I, I love the guide that was put together that really did focus on bringing in more diversity, but also covered off all the different types of jobs that you could consider. And again, to your point, it's about make, it's about really spreading the word and bringing that awareness about, I always try to think of ways that, um, you know, that we could really do that and, and have it be more of a spontaneous awareness, you know, and a lot of it is, has to do with the media, the very thing that we work at trying to, trying to connect the world to, you know, cause we focus on that it's super influential. That, so that's really what it's about. It's about that ripple in the pond. It was like getting the word out there. So people go, Oh, Oh, that's what a data center is. And those are the kinds of jobs that are available because there's a lot of them. The interesting thing about that is, you know, from where I sit, I've been writing about data centers for 20 years now. And when I first kind of fell into this world, you know, the big opportunity was that nobody was, was paying a lot of attention to it. So uh, it's interesting because from my perspective, I see all kinds of media uh, that are interested in the data center uh, industry. I kid that the, the first time I realized that there was real mainstream interest is when I saw a, a story about data centers in National Geographic. That was kind of like uh, a tip off. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> and sometimes it's just people trying to understand uh, the sort of back end of why the, the website or gaming service that they, they love isn't working when they want it to or, or why airports or elections or whatever aren't working. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, it, it sort of has revealed a lot about the data center and its uh, essential role in the world. Having said all that, you know, it seems like there's, with the growth of the industry, there's kind of a growing gap between the uh, amount of work there is to do and the, the people available to do it you know, there, there are a lot of folks who've been in the industry for a while and, you know, will eventually retire. Are you optimistic about the ability to address the, the, the skills gap and to, to wind up with us uh, having a, a more diverse industry? What, what do you see for the future of the data center industry? I, I am a glasses half full kind of person. So I, I am optimistic although it is a daunting task to, to, uh, to undertake. Again, I look at this as saying, you know, the companies that we are really focused on servicing um, are the most innovative, disruptive com- companies in, in, in the world, in history, in history, honestly. And I look at that and I say, they have, a, they have an agenda. Um, they all have very similar needs with very different business models, right? And they have an agenda to, to continue to grow and disrupt and be the best and the biggest. And I don't see anyone standing in their way. So if there's a problem to be solved, you know, a, a, the consortium of that group is, is going to solve it. And they also know that it's the little companies, it's the small startups and everything that you see popping out that are gonna be the next, next big disruptors, right? And, and that's, that's some heavy hidden competition that they have to be aware of because, you know, the whole idea was that, you know, you'd, be, you'd have this way of communicating and sharing and leveraging data that would give everybody the opportunity. There are plenty of geniuses in the world that are yet to be found, right? Um, so that's where my optimism comes from. Um, I, I, I just don't see a stopping. What I, what I really do want and hope for though, is that this demand um, requires that we use talent from all walks of life and that that makes us better. You know, a lot of uh, folks kid about uh, forecasting your crystal balls is that uh, um, after last year, it's hard to look at the future. 
if you had to look ahead and think what might be interesting to you or something that we'd be talking about next year that maybe we're not thinking about now in the data center industry, what would it be? Yeah, if I had to look, you're right, because after the pandemic hit us, which was so shocking, like no one could have ever, well, honestly, maybe we could have forecasted that. We just didn't, we chose not to. Right. That could have done it, you know? But I, I would definitely say like um, looking forward, um, I'm a firm believer that we have to solve the, uh, the crisis uh, with climate change. Um, so I think that's something that, not surprising, but, but could be um, more eminent than we believe it is. And, um, and I'm also a firm believer that we have to really focus heavily on the societal issues when it comes to the information we share. And that's where the digital divide is really important. Uh, really, really important because, um, you know, we already have this chasm of the haves and the have nots. We've got, you know, the, the opportunities that are, you know, maybe some equal, but not equitable, things like that, that we're dealing with. And I really feel like um, if, if, if we could, as, a, as an industry or as, a, as people, focus on things like the digital divide and focus on making things more equitable, then, um, then we, can, we can overcome anything. We can, we can overcome any challenge that we have. Well, I, listen, I, I so appreciate the conversation. If folks are interested in uh, connecting with you uh, and uh, getting, uh, you know, uh, sharing uh, insights on uh, some of the issues we've talked about today, what's, well, what's a good place to connect with you? I'm a, I'm a big LinkedIn fan. Um, mm -hmm. I'll give a plug to LinkedIn. I, I'm, I'm, a I'm on Twitter as well, but LinkedIn just is kind of the platform where I, uh, I, I find and share, and I'm very responsive too. So, um, so I love, I really enjoy growing my network and getting to know people and, um, and sharing information. So um, that's where I would encourage you to connect with me. Well, listen, Nancy, it's been a great conversation. Uh, I always enjoy your perspective on things. Uh, thanks for, for being our guest today on the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry, one podcast at a time. Awesome. Thank Thanks you, so Nancy. much, Rich. And uh, we'll see everybody next time. Thanks for listening to the Data Center Frontier Show. You can find the show notes for this episode at datacenterfrontier.com slash podcast, including links to all the resources Rich mentioned on our show. Today's podcast was brought to you by Compass Data Centers. To learn more about how Compass has the market presence and capacity and enables you to grow on your schedule, visit compassdatacenters.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Data Center Frontier Show wherever you find quality podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, please tell your friends and share about it on your social channels. You can always find us on the web at datacenterfrontier.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.